From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, July 9th. On a hot afternoon this week, visitors empty out of their cars at the Mill Creek Trailhead, grabbing backpacks and applying sunscreen before they hit the trail. It's nearing 100 degrees, and many are just looking to be close to the creek. At the start of the trail, there are a few interpretive signs about the area, but no one official is around to ask trailgoers if they've brought extra water or if they know where they're going. But that person or people might be coming this fall. I think that the ideal trail ambassador would have a really strong belief in um, the value of having people experience public lands. Maddie Lagowitz, manager of Grand County Active Transportation and Trails. The county set aside $15,000 to cover the startup costs of a trail ambassador program, and it's Lagowitz's job to design it. They are looking to hire soon and get people in the field at Moab's most popular sites by mid-September. She says that this program will be all about education. So, you know, a lot of empathy for people who are new to the area, who are really excited to experience this place and, you know, want to know how to be stewards and just really coming at it from the angle of trying to provide them with that information so that they have a great experience and then also they leave the area, you know, as they found it or better than they found it. Today on the news, we sit down with Lagowitz to learn more about the county's upcoming Trail Ambassador Program. It's designed from existing programs around the country and our region, and in partnership with local land management agencies. Grand County Active Transportation and Trails had a pilot program a few years ago, mainly for mountain bike trails. But Lagowitz says this new effort will cover popular non-motorized recreation in general. So with the county, we've been in discussions lately with the different um, land management agencies just about like what are the main issues that they are dealing with that, you know, education could help um, help mitigate. And so it's a little bit different for each agency, but a few of the big ones were multi-trailing. So just the impact from people um, either driving or riding their bikes off trail, which is illegal, but then also just people walking off trail, which is totally legal, but you know, it can have, it has an impact. And so um, just educating people about that impact. And then um, some other issues were graffiti, you know, and defacing rocks and then human waste and illegal camping. So for example, while people are not going to be hopefully having issues with human waste on the trail, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's a great opportunity to talk to people maybe about those issues. So, for example, if they're looking for a campsite, you know, giving people that information about where they can go that's legal camping and then how they can manage their human waste. I would imagine that if, you know, I saw a trail ambassador on the site and I wasn't from this area, um, I might ask them all sorts of questions <laughs> about the local area. Is that what you're kind of imagining? Yeah, so what we learned from our pilot program is that people are usually pretty, like a lot of people who come here, they love Moab. You know, either they're first-time visitors who are just in awe of the landscape, or they've been, you know, coming since they were children or whatever. And so there's a lot of, yeah, excitement to like talk to a local and a lot of interest in learning about the area or learning about stewardship. It's just that right now there's, um, you know, there's not enough staff available mm-hmm. to be out there talking to people. And so it's just a way to like provide people with this thing, this thing that they're pretty receptive to, it seems. Meet the visitors where they are. Yeah, exactly. And can you tell us where they are? <laughs> you know, what areas have you identified as, um, you know, areas that need trail ambassadors or that you want to put trail ambassadors this first go around? Sure. So based on the timeline for this year, just getting the program off the ground, we're going to be primarily working with, um, you know, the Bureau of Land Management, Moab Field Office, and looking at um, non-motorized trails on BLM land. And so, 
you know, there's a lot of community concern about Mill Creek. Mm-hmm. And then also Grand Staff and Corona Arch are two places that mm-hmm. also get a lot of um, visitation. And then for our department, you know, we do specialize in, um, or we spend a lot of time working on the single track trails. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have a strong motivation to educate people because a lot of the maintenance that we do is for multi-trailing and things of that nature. So we're also looking at the Brands Mountain Bike area, which is like super popular, family-friendly mm-hmm. beginner area, as well as Navajo Rocks and Amasaback parking lot, okay. which um, Amasaback parking lot is interesting because it does get, like, there's just a lot of uh, different activities that go mm-hmm. on in that area. You have um, there's archaeology there that people hike to. You have base jumpers, you have mountain bikers, mm-hmm. you have runners. Um, so it seems like a good spot to have somebody there. So with the, you know, mountain bike trails, does that mean the person, you know, trail ambassadors might be on a bike as well? Yes. So the way I've been thinking about it is kind of two little sub programs because, um, based on our experience with the pilot program for folks who are in the mountain biking user group, they're going to want to know a lot about the trails. <laughs> they're going to want to know like specifics about routes. Mm-hmm. And so for that position, it's going to need to be someone who has a knowledge of the area, you know, and that person could also work on the hiking trails, but for the other way around, it might be a little bit more complicated. You know, why non-motorized for now? Um, why focus on non-motorized trails right now? Uh, I think, yeah, non-motorized is a starting point mm-hmm. because our department has a history of involvement with the non-motorized trails and we have a, you know, a good understanding of um, the issues there. But I think the hope for the county is that it will expand to, to motorized once we kind of get things off the ground. You mentioned a lot of different like interagency, you know, collaboration. Um, what kind of training are you thinking that the trail ambassadors might have when it comes to the various specialties and agencies? It's been really great talking to um, Karen Garthwaite mm-hmm. at the National Parks because you know, the national parks, they have a whole inter program, they have this trail stewardship program. And so working with them to talk about like what they do for training. Um, A lot of areas use this technique called authority of the resource, which is basically about how to talk to people about being a steward of the area without, um, you know, putting people on the defensive or antagonizing them. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of information out there about, yeah, techniques for talking to people, um, as well as there's a you know a lot of very knowledgeable people in town who can give very in-depth explanations about why not to bust the crust, what are the issues with human waste, and kind of um, mm-hmm. you know provide a deeper background to those points. Also, will this be a seasonal program? So for this year, um, it will just be the fall. You know, it sounds like there's a lot of interest from the um, county commission and the community mm-hmm. to continue the program and expand it. So I think we'll learn a lot from this program. For example. You know, I don't have a sense of how much management this program will take, so I think we'll learn a lot about um, what will be needed to expand it in the future from this year. Anything else, Maddie, that you think people should know at this point about the upcoming Trail Ambassador program? I think just speaking to the general need for a program, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty easy once you've lived here for a while to forget that a lot of the behaviors we want visitors to follow are not intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people are coming from you know, Florida and Minnesota and all these areas where, for example, like going off trail is not, mm-hmm. not really an issue. It, it doesn't really have a huge environmental impact. Um, and so, you know, I think remembering that like, while there are potentially, you know, like, yeah, a few people out there with malicious intent, a lot of the damage we see seems to come from people who just like really don't, just really don't know. And so this program is just going to be another way to provide people with that information and help protect the area and then also give them a better experience as well. Maddie Lagowitz, manager of Grand County Active Transportation and Trails. 
The county plans to launch their new trail ambassador program at popular sites in our region. They hope to have people in the field by mid-September. And now, the Weekly Newsreel, where we check in with other reporters about their latest stories of our area. The affordable Walnut Lane Apartments development is running into a snag. Doug McMurdo of the Times Independent reports the contractor hired for the first phase of the project can't meet the performance bond requirements outlined in their agreement with Moab City. Doug has some highlights from the paper's coverage. Three years ago, the city of Moab spent a couple million dollars to buy a uh, I don't know how to how to sugarcoat this. Sure. A, a rather dilapidated uh, trailer court uh, in the 250 block of Walnut Lane, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And the plan is to build affordable housing, a mix of uh, duplexes and apartments and uh, townhomes. And uh, at the time, I think that the the focus was on uh, number one, the people that are living in those trailers to get them better housing. Mm-hmm. And also to provide housing to people, you know, the most vulnerable among us uh, here in, in Grand County. But since then, I think the housing crisis has uh, taken on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. We're all having a hard time getting a home, um, having uh, plenty of money. Uh, doesn't seem to help a lot of people. And um, people with respectable jobs and respectable wages mm-hmm. still can't afford to rent or buy a house in Moab. So now they're really looking into um, providing employee housing for, for government employees and mm-hmm. school teachers and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they contracted with uh, the developer of modular units, Indie Dwell. Um, and this is interesting because it's not trailer units. They're modular homes that are right. built out of shipping containers. Um, so they're supposed to be more long-term you know, a long-term option. Right. Uh, long-term, and not only that, but something different, something that would clearly hold up mm-hmm. <laughs> over, over <laughs> sure. the years. Sure. Unfortunately, a combination of uh, uh, COVID and supply chain disruptions, the uh, dramatic increase in construction material mm-hmm. costs, uh, all of that conspired, and I think probably some uh, um, questionable decisions by Indy Dwell itself. They recently closed a plant in Idaho. Mm-hmm. So just delay after delay after delay. And the city found out uh, in the middle of June that Indy Dwell uh, was not able to uh, get its performance bond. And uh, that created yet another delay. And then uh, Caitlin Myers, the city's uh, manager of, of uh, special projects, she was out of town and not able to talk to the city council until last week and yeah. that's that's when this information uh was shared with the city council and it really created a quite a crisis as yeah. you can imagine and the decision that the city council made was to give indy dwell a 30-day notice to cure mm-hmm. which is a, a legal term to uh either get the performance bond or or don't but we're going to give you 30 days to to do it and then Mm -hmm. and then the question becomes uh what do we owe them Mm -hmm. if they're unable to get the bond because they've done the drawings and those drawings i believe are ours or the Mm -hmm. city's rather not ours Mm -hmm. but the city's uh, there might be some caveats in there Mm -hmm. that would restrict the city from using them but um it's just a real problem because it's uh uh, just a delay you Mm -hmm. know in uh, arroyo crossing 
uh, not a government project in so far right. as you know the city or county really aren't involved but they're also delayed because they're running into insurance issues now so it seems like um the the effort to uh to get affordable housing in the moab area is mm -hmm. going to be a herculean i really mm -hmm. uh, the people who are trying and striving to make it happen they're not giving up so yeah. it's interesting like you know it, it seems like the will is there um the will to make it happen but running into you know some somewhat practical issues i know it sounds like with this performance bond issue it might be problems with indie dwell internally or it could be rising cost of construction um, the whole project is going to be, you know, they said it was going to be, you know, much higher price than the, that they thought uh, initially. Like four four $400,000 more, which right. is significant. It's significant. Of course, yeah. the, you know, lumber went up uh, 400%. It's starting right. to go back down, but still, it's mm -hmm. still very, very high. So, right. you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have enough information to really uh, call out Indie Dwell, but they're unable to get a performance bond, and that's mm -hmm. part of the contract. It's part of the contract to, to get to that do bond. That. Yeah, so they need it. It's a failure to uh, to meet their obligations. Yeah. Well, interesting stuff that is in the Times Independent uh, this week. You know, you said the city is going to put out this notice to cure, but they haven't made any decisions. You know, what happens next? Right. They won't take action on whether to sever the contract until the 30 days is up, right. which will be in about. Th two and a half, three weeks. Now, where else do you want to take us? Sounds like someone's perhaps a little more flush with cash, an entity that we have here. Yeah, yeah a, a combination of uh, draconian budget cuts at the beginning of the pandemic combined with uh, historic tourism mm -hmm. numbers uh, during the pandemic combined with a few other things to give Grand County an eight point four million above and beyond its uh, estimated budget. And 5.4 million of that is, is that unallocated. Now, no decision has been made on what to do with that money. Mm -hmm. But here's what I want listeners to, to think about. And I agree 100% with uh, uh, County Commission Administrator Chris Baird and Commission Chair Mary McGann. The public rarely weighs in mm -hmm. on budget hearings. And uh, as Mary McGann said at Tuesday's meeting, this is the most important thing that we do. Mm. And, and it's arguable on whether or not that's the most important thing they do. But clearly it's in the top three. It shows it and, shows and, you where they put their and, their values. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I cannot tell you how many times somebody has written a letter to the editor uh -huh. complaining about an expense that uh -huh. the, or something that the county or the city is doing. And I said, well, they discussed this thoroughly during the budget hearing process. I remember when the county agreed to uh, give itself raises as, along mm -hmm. with everybody else in the county mm -hmm. to, to get them competitive. And um, there must have been 30 discussions and nobody's, nobody sa said uh -huh. anything. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden, um, everybody's like, well, where did this come from? It, it uh -huh. had been in both newspapers uh -huh. and on your radio program for uh -huh. months. Maybe <laughs> so, it's something with the budget. Yeah. People's eyes just start to glaze over. You know, there's you a, know? there's an unwritten rule in yeah. the newspaper business. Uh -huh. uh, if, if you ever write a story that you don't want anybody to read. Just put the word budget in the headline. <laughs> well, that's a hot tip for readers and listeners then yes. to pay attention. So, so yeah, there, there, it sounds like there was some talk how, you know, people, um, they would want people to sort of pay attention and look at the budget. So there is a public hearing. There was a public hearing um, on Tuesday, July 6th. 
does that mean that people can still make comments on the budget? Yes, I believe they can make emailed comments for the next two weeks. I would give myself a week to be sure to get underneath that deadline. Doug McMurdo, editor of the Times Independent. Subscription information and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. A Utah State University survey indicates a decline in Moab's well-being this year. USU released its survey in collaboration with the Utah League of Cities and Towns to get a better picture of well-being across the state. Maggie McGuire of the Moab Sun News has more from their latest edition. I think it probably will validate a lot of people's feelings that after perhaps a year of, Mm -hmm. of the pandemic, you know, folks are feeling a little rough. In general, the the most significant finding was just that um, folks self-reported sense of their own personal well-being rather than like kind of sort of the community mm. had gone down like fairly significantly. Wow. And again, you know, this has been a really stressful year, mm-hmm. um, but people self-reported a lot of different reasons for that that are, I think, very specific to this area. And that said, there also were these large buckets of sort of how do you think that this community is functioning? Right. Um, this community really loves nature and mm-hmm. you know loves working with the outdoors and loves going out there. Mm-hmm. We didn't score so well on cultural opportunities, but I don't think that that's super shocking. Um, but there are also, I think, some things for us to look at and reflect on in terms of like going ahead and setting priorities. It's it's particularly helpful for us at the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, a free survey of of our readers, really. Right. So that's really cool. Um, but also, you know, we've talked a lot about expanding mental health care coverage mm-hmm. in this area and in rural communities across the country. Mm-hmm. And I think that these results, again, show how important that is. How did how did Moab, you know, sort of pan out when it comes to comparisons with the rest of the state? Well, I think that it's to no surprise that, you know, our satisfaction with sort of the, the natural landscape mm-hmm. and our surroundings very high. Mm-hmm. But I was really pleasantly surprised that Moab was in the top five surveyed cities in terms mm-hmm. of um, perceived community action. So being involved in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of one of the more negative things, the um, economic development here in Moab is going so quickly that a full 73% of folks said that they thought it was happening too quickly and that it was impacting the community and their personal well-being. Wow. It's a really cool survey. It's wow. it's it, always important, I feel like, to, to get a whatever data you can to be a sort of a mm-hmm. reality check on your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, you said something interesting that you are looking over the data as a newspaper publisher mm-hmm. and helpful to, to see where this community's interests or feelings lie. I'm recalling that USU was hopeful that, you know, local elected representatives might use this information. Maybe local planners Mm -hmm. could use this information. I think that in addition to all of the interesting work that sort of the the media is doing here and our nonprofits, our elected officials, all of the the policies that are coming out, there's, there's, I want to say a vortex. Mm -hmm. There's a vortex of information. And this is Mm -hmm. one more important piece that kind of goes into that and and helps put, I think, the rest of it in a little bit of context. I would say that nothing in this survey like sticks out like a sore thumb, right? Okay. So I think it all like kind of fits in. And I would say the, the most important thing, again, is that underscoring of 
the need for community support and attention to sort of, you know, larger mental health issues of, mm-hmm. of varying severities. While Moab is a popular and heavily trafficked city, we're mm-hmm. also like geographically pretty remote. So I think that when we talk about mental health, we're talking about everyone from, you know, someone who is feeling a little bit of isolation and doesn't have close family nearby to someone who has like fairly extensive, you know, perhaps substance abuse or mental health issues. Right. So, you know, that's a really wide gamut to deal with. I think that what I like about this survey is it shows just how much of an impact that's having on our community, even when we, you know, aren't seeing it every day. And, you know, like you've touched on, like it sort of underscores a general gut feeling. Um, totally. Us, yeah. 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 How the community is doing or how um, some of us personally might be feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of how that, you know, affects our coverage, I went to the high school for career week, uh, whatever, a month or two ago. And the most popular question I got from from students uh, was how do you decide what to cover, which I thought was like really thoughtful and astute. And it was nice for me to be able to like kind of shed some light on that mm-hmm. and just be able to tell these teenagers like we have to talk about that every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a continual decision because there are, you know, a million stories that mm-hmm. one could cover um, and and trying to weigh which one we're putting sort of time and effort right. into can be really difficult and frankly it's a it can be a little stressful so having information from the community and this particular usu survey you know a full around 10 percent of of moab's community responded to it which is incredible you know and at the sun when we're talking about you know what we're covering going ahead for you know the rest of the year and, mm-hmm. and beyond it's really nice to be able to have this survey just sort of like on the coffee table to to check our expectations mm-hmm. and what our small staff thinks is important and mm-hmm. make sure that that kind of like lines up and tallies up with right. not only the feedback that we're getting from readers, but surveys like this. Now, speaking of coverage, can we take a look inside the paper, turn the page? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great follow up about kind of, you know, I- I'm going to say a controversial um, public official in San Juan County. Um, can you can you tell us about John David Nielsen? And that does follow really well because we actually, speaking about editorial meetings, uh-huh. we debated the term controversial. But I think by any measure. Right. <laughs> like, You're right. You, I, I try not to use controversial, yeah. you know, too lightly. Yeah. It gets to be a little bit of a, a knee jerk. But in this one, controversial. Yeah. So John David Nielsen was San Juan County's clerk. Yes. What can you tell us about him? It sounds like he's uh, the, the Sun News is reporting that he's moving on. Yeah. When last we left yeah. the saga of San Juan County clerk auditor, he's one of the, the slashes, right. John okay. David Nielsen, um, an investigation into allegations of electioneering um, had been referred out from San Juan County um, to neighboring counties. And that's sort of just where the story just hit a brick wall for wow. for months and months. And remind us, the accusation was around some pamphlets that he reportedly put out at yes. different voting areas. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, so electioneering is just a term for interfering with a, with the, usually it's with a polling place. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are guidelines about, um, you know, uh, doing political advocacy or campaigning um, within a certain distance from from a polling place so that you know uh obviously so that folks don't feel intimidated when Mm -hmm. they're going to make 
um, a vote. And there's all kinds of like interesting legal cases surrounding mm-hmm. electioneering, but I find this one particularly interesting because mm-hmm. usually um, the person that's guaranteeing the that an election isn't being interfered with is the county clerk. In this case, the county clerk was himself right. accused of electioneering, yeah. which I think is really quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So in this case, um, because of past incidents of um, election irregularities, mm-hmm. there already were um, legal observers at, at polling places around San Juan County as mm-hmm. just sort of a, a matter of course. Some of these poll watchers found printouts of a letter to the editor written by a local politician about one of the, the questions on the ballot. They contacted John David Nielsen as, as county clerk to sort of alert him, like, hey, these were inside of a polling place. That's like a violation of um, our electoral law. Mm-hmm. And his response, I think, probably surprised them a lot because he was like, oh, I did that. It was me. And his explanation was that he himself personally found that particular question on the ballot confusing and that he thought this um, letter to the editor explained the the issue well and that Mm -hmm. he didn't see it as a piece of like partisan writing and to be clear letter to the editor is an editorial it's an opinion piece it is an opinion piece and it was by a local politician who was very vocal in support of one side of the issue Mm -hmm. and had written a series of letters to the editor Mm -hmm. i believe that the one that was printed out was maybe a little bit less Mm -hmm. strident than some but still. But still bad. Right. Still it's a no. Mm-hmm. Still you can't do that. So what happened with that? How did that shake out? It got referred for legal review. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, counties in general don't try to, to um, review the, the mm-hmm. conduct of their own um, just because it leads to conflict of interest. So mm-hmm. that was referred out. And then, frankly, the coronavirus pandemic hit right. while yeah. that was in legal review. Um, mm-hmm. And so it sort of stalled out for a good long time. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as we could find out, like no report was ever officially filed. Um, They did report that they had sort of sent a review of the case to San Juan County and no charges were filed. However, following up on that, you know, John David Nielsen is saying that he's going to move to Spanish Fork and work as an accountant. Um, And so is resigning um, almost immediately. And we don't really have any word on who's replacing him. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is a year that San Juan County is heading into potential redistricting um, and another election. And in that county, there are so many sort of moving parts for these electoral issues that it'll be really interesting seeing how sort of this round of of challenges um, right. is met. This was the latest incident that, you know, caused some questions on John David Nielsen's office. Mm-hmm. Um, there are others that are outlined in the article. Mm-hmm. San Juan County could, could use a fair election process. Yeah. yeah, and one thing I'll note that maybe... You know, I find quite interesting, and I think probably I think what we've touched on mm-hmm. before um, is just county clerks across the country. <laughs> in some counties, they it, it's an appointed job. Mm-hmm. Um, in some places, it is an elected job. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all cases, these are like this is a fairly technical and difficult job. It is yeah. that relies on you know uh, having a background in policy, having a background in finances, having a good grasp on sort of the technicalities of of electoral law. It's a really difficult job. Um, Mm -hmm. And in places like Utah, um, where elected clerks are are pretty common, I think you you find, you know, a lot of times folks who are perhaps elected into this position and then are like, ooh, 
this is right. a lot. Other uh, counties in southern Utah have, you know, in the last you know year or two, also had you know issues with you know quote unquote controversial mm-hmm. uh, county clerks. So I always find it interesting when sort of the structure of how things are put together is affecting the outcome, and right. I think that that's that's perhaps like the case here. Maggie McGuire, publisher and editor of the Moab Sun News. Subscription information and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for our weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters about their latest stories of our area. Find the pieces mentioned today in the show notes of our news at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.